You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app at SiriusXM Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Don't worry, we're only about an hour away from tip-off. My professionalism won't totally be trashed until that actually starts. The WNBA Game 3 uh, finals matchup will be in about an hour. We're going to break some of that down. But obviously, tonight is largely about Thursday night football, and we've got plenty of that to break down for you also. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive commercial insurance can protect your small business with over 30 coverage options, an easy-to-use mobile app, personalized discounts, and more. Get a quote in as little as six minutes at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Discounts and coverage selections not available in all states or situations. Let's get all the insights we could ever need from the Chargers from ESPN Chargers reporter Lindsey Theory joining us now. Lindsey, I watched the Chargers beat the Raiders. It still hurts in my heart. But what was your biggest takeaway from that game that actually surprised you? Uh, biggest takeaway had to be Khalil Mack's three-sack performance. Uh, he came into this season really wanting to prove that he is still the same star edge rusher. Obviously, he was sidelined after seven games last season with a foot injury, a foot surgery. So that really was stunning to see him come out. And we had a feeling that he would have a solid performance, obviously the rushing opposite of Joey Bosa. But a three-sack performance was above and beyond, I think, anyone's expectation. Any idea how the Chargers might tackle the offense on the opposing side that absolutely picked apart the Cardinals last week? And we've been watching do that ever since Patrick Mahomes became a starter. Yeah, I think really it's going to be kind of the same. Uh, it's hard to say the same. Derek Carr last week, it's Patrick Mahomes, a far different quarterback this week. But uh, talking to them, I mean, they still want to keep the same aggressive mentality. They Their biggest key is trying to keep Patrick Mahomes in the pocket. Easier said than done. Uh, but Cleo Mack made note that if he gets out of the pocket, that's really when he's able to complete, make his best throws. Uh, I was talking to Derwin James about that as well. They really want to try to make Patrick Mahomes throw the ball as quickly as as possible that his receivers don't have a chance to get downfield as far. Um, so they have to kind of stop in their route. Uh, and obviously so that the secondary, they don't have to get in trouble trying to cover guys for too long. How are the Chargers going to account for the loss of Keenan Allen in this game? Yeah, really look for Mike Williams. Uh, he's another 1,000-yard receiver who really was not effectively put into the game plan last Sunday. Uh, he only had a couple of catches for 10 yards. Uh, so it could be a very big game for him. They're also going to look at Joshua Palmer. He's a second-year player. He had a really outstanding training camp. Look for him to get uh, some more targets. DeAndre Carter, a big surprise. Even Brandon Staley said, we didn't really know what this guy could do on offense. Uh, they signed him as a return specialist. But uh, the minute Keenan Allen went out last week, DeAndre Carter came in. He had finished with three catches for 64 yards and a touchdown. So he could have a significant role tonight as well. Uh, not to mention Gerald Everett. Um, the kind of do-it-all, catch-and-run tight end who they signed and free to see this offseason, too. Lindsay Theory is with us. You can follow her at Lindsay Theory on Twitter. Joining Spain and Fitz to talk tonight's Chargers-Chiefs massive Thursday night football matchup. Let's talk about expectations for the Chargers. I've heard two things, and they're kind of similar, but there's a difference. And one of them is, wow, can't believe how good Justin Herbert already is. This is exciting and thrilling. And then, wow, if the Chargers don't start actually making some hay in the postseason, they're wasting their young quarterback. Does it feel like there's more pressure on this season to have to prove something before there might be even some firings or some, you know, people held accountable? Or are we still in, in excitement about what they have in their young quarterback? 
No, I think we've moved from the excitement phase to they've actually got to win something this year. Right. Uh, regular season wins, those might be exciting, but that's not a postseason win. Uh, and it's something they haven't achieved around uh, the Chargers in quite some time. They only have one playoff appearance uh, in 20, 2018 in the last nine years, I believe. So this is not just about being excited about Justin Herbert. This is really being able to maximize Justin Herbert and what he brings to the table. This offense last season was ready to go to the playoffs and ready to win some playoff games. The Chargers invested heavily on their defense because last year it was not good enough. Their special teams have been uh, notoriously bad for, for years and years and years. They even invested there. I mean, how often do you hear about a team going out and signing a punter, going out and signing a long snapper? Some of their free agency signings were special teams gurus. Like I mentioned, DeAndre Carter. Uh, they went and got Troy Reader in free agency. He was a special teams guy for the Rams. Uh, so there has been a big point of emphasis throughout the offseason to bulk up their defense, to bulk up their special teams, and all of that is to really maximize Justin Herbert and how great he is. J.C. Jackson was one of those huge signings to bulk up their defense. When he is healthy, what difference will he make for this Chargers team? A really big difference. You know, it's really interesting, though, because when you look at their week one win, their secondary came down with a couple interceptions. Really, they finished the game with three interceptions. Then you add in J.C. Jackson. You think about when he's healthy and he comes back. He's led the NFL in interceptions since 2018. Uh, so this is a very aggressive defense. They've been able to turn the switch already this season. And J.C. Jackson, with his ball-hawking skills, uh, could really add another dynamic. Lindsay, any idea from these coaches or any of the word around the team how much they felt like week one was indicative of who they are and how much they felt like there was a lot to work on and or yet to show? Yeah, a lot of coaches will pump the brakes after week one. I think it was very similar uh, around the Chargers. They know it was only one game while they were very happy with it. Uh, on offense, they know there's a lot to improve, especially as they talked a lot about their run game, how they need to be better at that tonight. Um, so I think there is a lot of excitement, a lot of optimism, but I think they're also a little bit cautious of it because they don't want to get too far ahead of themselves, um, despite knowing that they have a lot of talent on this roster. Follow her on Twitter at Lindsay Theory. Lindsay, we appreciate your time. Thanks for the game. Thanks for the enjoy uh, the game. Uh, thanks for your time. <laughs> appreciate it and enjoy the game. All of those things. Oh wow! Yeah, I'm on fire. <laughs> I just like to say how much I nailed the dismount on that, Sarah. Total professionalism. You can tell we're getting closer to tip off. It's it's, yep. it's it's getting away from me at this point. Starting to lose it. I do think your question about expectations is one that we should be having realistically about everything involving the Chargers right now because their approach, while it hasn't been as flippant with draft picks as the Rams, has been let's go sign every single person that we think can help us and spend every dollar we can. I love the aggressiveness, but it, with aggressiveness comes some level of expectation. So as Justin Herbert continues to get closer and closer to what we all expect to be a market-setting mega deal, you do have to look at the Chargers and say the time is right now for this team. It is. It is because across the landscape of the NFL, we see the trend of teams winning with quarterbacks on a rookie deal or finding a way in the case of say Brady to have a quarterback who doesn't eat up all your money. Now we've talked about, it feels like a decade ago now, how long ago we started talking about whether there was definitive proof of exactly how much a percentage of your cap could be taken up by your quarterback contract and still contend. I don't think we have a definitive answer yet, but I do know that of late, it has proved to be a great formula to have a super good quarterback who's still getting paid rookie money while being able to fill in great talent around him. And so the more years that you have Justin Herbert and it doesn't amount to squat diddly, 
the more you're starting to look around at GMs, coaches, etc. Uh, because I don't think a lot of people are pointing the finger at him, not the way he's been playing. Yeah, and the more, just in general, when you look at the ingredients that the Chargers front office has put there for this coaching staff to cook with, you should be able to make a five-star meal every single Sunday. And thats mm -hmm. I don't think that's an unfair expectation when you have the level of talent they have. The question is, are they forever bitten by whatever the voodoo curse is that causes the injury bug to hit this team so hard? But even that, at some point, you have to look at your organization and say, what do we? What can we change? What can we do to try and uh, figure out a way to handle these things better? Because, frankly, they get bit by the injury bug every single year, and at some point you just have to figure out a way around it. Uh, no, no easy solution for the Chargers, but high expectations. We will keep you up, uh, updated on that game that kicks off in just mere minutes. In the meantime, another legend called it quits today. It seems like this happens almost every week. We'll fill you in on it, and we'll get you caught up on everything else with some quickies next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app at Sirius XM, Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. Fear not if you're tuning into ESPN Radio trying to figure out how you watch Thursday night football. Again, the reminder as we approach kickoff is that Thursday night football is exclusively on Amazon Prime. So just a reminder for everybody trying to figure that out. We'll have some fun with that on our social ask uh, throughout the course of the show as we've asked you guys uh, some of your awkward moments where technology reminded you're old. Uh, that That's all because of Amazon. In the meantime, though, we're going to do what we do really well on this show. We're going to get caught up in a million different things, quickie style. Had some big news today for the world of tennis, Sarah. Roger Federer uh, went to social media, posted a video announcing his retirement at the age of 41 after a series of knee operations, uh, closing a career in which he won 20 Grand Slam titles, finished five seasons ranked number one, and helped create an incredible era of men's tennis that so many people loved watching. This was an emotional moment for a lot of tennis fans that hoped he would be able to make his return, but it turns out we have seen the last for now, it appears, of Roger Federer well, on the court. Well, no, Laver Cup will be the last. Uh, yes. We'll get uh, that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is – I wonder if there was any thought to this timing. It certainly feels like if he knew this already, he certainly gave Serena the time, the space, all of the the love that she earned and deserved. And it's very classy of him, if that's the case. He talked about the injuries and the surgeries and the challenges and how much he wants to keep playing, but his body's kind of telling him it ain't happening. Um, and so, uh, we will have this, this, this one, this one time to, to watch him. And I presume then he will be getting all of the love, all of the enthusiasm. It's, it's coming up, uh, the 23rd to the 25th of this month. He'll be part of team Europe alongside Nadal, Djokovic and Andy Murray. And, uh, uh that's kind of a fun way to go out a, a little less pressure maybe than what Serena did where you've got this massive grand slam record you're trying to break and you've got the, the best competition people who work all year to get ready for a, a match a, a, a tournament like the US Open uh, maybe a little bit more fun and with nothing left to prove he can go out playing alongside some guys who have been his contemporaries you could see the humility in his uh, video and I loved it when he talked about the fact that tennis has given him more than he ever could have imagined it's just a Incredible moment to, to celebrate him. In the meantime, let's go to the next story. Serena Williams, you mentioned, well, we think it's over, but, but, <laughs> you're telling me maybe there's a chance. Remember, only a couple of weeks ago, she was knocked out of the U.S. Open, 
and now uh, she announced ahead of the uh, U.S. Open that she would evolve away from tennis. But then she said, I think Tom Brady started a really cool trend, you know, the way he did it on Good Morning America. You think Serena's teasing a comeback? That wasn't the only place she said it. She saw it on. Uh, she said it on the late night talk show circuit too. She's saying it to anyone who will listen. And the repetition for me means for sure it wasn't. Oh, I got caught up in the moment. It was a funny joke. It was no. I'm for real here. And you know, she never used the term retirement in that big expose final piece in Elle or, or Vogue or wherever it was. And a lot of people said at that time, okay, yeah, she's not done. She might do the thing that Venus has been doing in recent years, which is gear up and play when she feels like it. Not be a full-time tennis player the same way, but enter a couple tournaments when she wants to. And I think there was so much to that final run for Serena, including upsetting a number two, that maybe deep down she still has a thought that maybe if I if I really prep, and she mentioned that she didn't get quite enough prep for the U.S. Open, if I really spend a couple months gearing up for, say, oh, I don't know, the Australian Open and doing it right in front of Margaret Court, that she might still believe she's got one in her. Yeah, this is interesting because I, I can never fault an athlete, even if they're thinking it might be near the end, for then deciding it's not. You know, there's a moment here where when an athlete turns around and says, hey, I might want to keep doing this, of course, if it's what you've done your whole life and yeah. you're still trying to define what's the next chapter for you, I think having a little bit of wiggle room goes a long way. We could all afford That's to give her some That's what I've always said about Jordan. Like, it made me sad. I didn't want him to play for the Wizards, but who am I to say he's not allowed to make that decision after everything he's done? He earned, he earned the right to go out whatever way he wanted, even if it was with the Wizards. I totally agree. Let's move to the next story. President Biden will be meeting with the family of Brittany Griner at the White House. Senior administration officials told the AP that the meeting would happen Friday. It would be the first in-person encounter between Biden and the families of Griner and Paul Whelan, the corporate security executive who was also jailed in Russia. They're occurring amid sustained but unsuccessful efforts by the administration to secure the release of both Americans. This is another step in a very long process, Sarah. Yeah, I have been thinking a lot about Brittany in the last couple of weeks because we haven't heard much about her once that decision came down in her quote unquote trial, which was a farce. And we knew that to be that uh, throughout the proceedings. Um, once that came down, there hasn't been much to report. And it's been really disheartening and very scary for her and her family. And so whether or not Biden and company have a true update here. Just having that meeting and reminding them that they're still working on it, I think, is is a really good thing. Um, I, I mean, I can't I can't imagine the pain of how long she's been in there now, and and for her family members, the fear that anything close to that sentence might be be lived out. Uh, it's also important to keep these meetings going because it keeps it as part of the public consciousness, yep. right? Like we have these conversations because of these meetings, and it's important that we continue. That effort, especially as the WNBA season comes closer to coming to a close, it becomes important that these Brittany Griner conversations continue. Let's move to the next story on Quickies. And that comes in the form of the Seattle Seahawks with some injury news. Jamal Adams expected to miss the remainder of the NFL season after mm. suffering an injury to his quad in the team's opener. We feared that it was... Uh, the worst when he was carted off the field and it seemed like Pete Carroll coach of the Seahawks from the outset expected it to be bad but according to ESPN's Jeremy Fowler it looks like it is season ending for Jamal Adams which is a huge setback for the superstar player and for the defense for the Seattle Seahawks. 
It's a bummer. I mean, any injury at any point in the season is a bummer, but working your butt off all off season through training camp, through preseason, all of the workouts to get to the good stuff and then not be able to play this season is disappointing, especially because this is a guy who had something to prove after last year, didn't have a sack in 12 games, um, came off hot in that first one and was able to, um, you know, was able to to try to get himself back into position to prove, you know, why he's been a three-time Pro Bowler, and, and now he won't, and that's a real bummer. Until you just said it, I never thought about the concept of you work so hard in the offseason, and then week one, your season ends, how much yeah. just more deflating that must be for so many athletes. You never want a season to end injury, but to barely get that chance to even play out on the field is is difficult. We got one more story coming at you. Michael Jordan's last dance jersey from the 1998 mm. NBA Finals sold for $10.1 million at an auction, which raises the important question to me, Sarah, of how much money do you have to have in the bank to be comfortable spending $10 million on an NBA jersey? Yeah, I wanted to talk to you about that because I know I owe you that 20 bucks for that bet we made. I'm going to yeah, have yeah. to wait a little while. I just okay. spent a lot of money on something. <laughs> uh, and... I have a couple loans out. Um, no, I mean, obviously, it's kind of like an escalation of, you ever go to silent auction events and you see a package that's really awesome? It's like, have a walk-on part on Curb Your Enthusiasm or like go behind the scenes at Saturday Night Live and you're like, oh, awesome. Okay, cool. Like, how much would I be willing to spend? And your your brain's like, okay, maybe like $500,000, maybe $2,000. And someone in the crowd just starts the bidding at 10000 And you're like, oh, oh, okay. All right. Yeah, no. So I won't be. That's like this times a billion T. I, I went to a charity event years ago for Nashville Cares uh, around AIDS uh, research. And I went through the silent auction. I just bid on a ton of stuff thinking I, I never win any of it. I won all of it. I had oh, the no. opposite effect at the oh, end no. of the night when I was like, wait, I owe you how much? And they were like, yes, congratulations. You won so all generous. of these items. I mean, <laughs> oh, my God. That, that was especially at that time in life. It was very much like we'll put some of it on this card and we'll put some of it on this card. and We'll just see what happens. So, oh, those are the days. Uh, now you know why I have traumatic memories around charitable auctions. charitable guy you are. Yeah. Well, what, you know, uh, <laughs> win or lose. Uh, all right, four-time WNBA champion, 13-time WNBA All-Star, an absolute legend, Sue Bird, going to join us next. You do not want to miss it. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, hanging out with you on this Thursday on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. We'll get you back to some Thursday night football talk. We'll also uh, check in on Fitz's situation. He is locked in an office, and I don't think he has access to a restroom. How is the not tinkling going? We'll get to that, too. But more important things right now ahead of this Game 3 of the WNBA Finals. By the way, Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Get renter's insurance to protect the things that make your place a home, including coverage for theft or damage. Visit Progressive.com. Friend of the show, uh, future co-host. We don't know. Oh, it's possible <laughs> by the end of this, this could be Spain, Bird, and Fitz. Sorry, Fitz, you will still be last. Yeah, there's no doubt uh, about that. That was happening. Yeah. <laughs> Sue Bird joins us now. Uh, I'm not even going to bother with all the accolades because that will take up all our time. We'll just suffice it to say one of the greatest of all time. Five-time Olympic gold medalist, 13-time WNBA All-Star, four-time WNBA champion, and now retired basketball player. I want to talk about that last game because you had to go from a loss that ended your career 
right into gracious goodbyes and waves and interviews. What are the emotions yeah. like in that moment? Oh, man. Um, I mean, it happens fast. It happens fast. Uh, I wasn't really prepared for it. And I think the way I felt was I just didn't want to leave the court. And at some point I had to. You know what I mean? That's like literally how to describe it. Um, I had actually just, you know, you had mentioned the the being with Pablo on the ESPN Daily podcast. And I talked about this, like I went from planning my packing list for game five and beyond to the career is over in the matter of, of, of moments. So it's, it's pretty incredible how it happens. Um, luckily, I had prepared for it a little bit mentally coming into it, like months heading into it. Um, but I just found that I didn't want to leave the court. Walk me through like 48, 72 hours after that, Sue. I can't know what your accolades are like, but I remember my last show as a musician, and about three or four days later it felt weird to realize that I was done playing in front of people. Have you had that moment yet where you look around and realize that your routine changes wildly at this point? Not really. I have glimpses of it, um, but I don't think it's going to hit me. I was actually just talking about this the other day. I don't think it's going to hit me until – like larger, bigger kind of moments in the year come, like when free agency starts and I'm just not involved in that, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. And then like obviously when the season starts next year, I'm sure there'll be other ones sprinkled in, but it hasn't hit quite the way I, I feel like it will once those big moments come. Yeah, I mean, right now it is sort of like, well, my season ended in the playoffs, and that sucks, but mm-hmm. now would be normally I would veg on the couch and maybe eat a couple hamburgers exactly. that I normally would skip. It's when you don't get back into it, when you have an off-season of, oh, I don't have to run wind sprints and do 8,000 sit-ups <laughs> unless I want to. And I want to ask about that, and Sue Bird is with us just days after the end of her career, looking ahead to what's next, but what are some of the things you're most looking forward to in retirement? Oh, just making my own schedule. Um, I think there's there's a little bit of that that is not intimidating, but I just haven't had to do it. Usually my schedule yeah. is made for me, and it's all based on basketball. So obviously during the season, the schedule is the schedule. But even in the off season, it's always everything is built around my workouts, built around you know what I have coming next for basketball. So I think it's going to be an adjustment to be able to just do what I want but I'm really looking forward to it. I feel like I'm going to slide right into that. It's going to become, you know, second nature for me. And I just get to live my life. (laughs) So I'm really looking forward to that. I mean, you mentioned (laughs) live your life. Do you have something that you're really excited that you're going to be able to really focus on now that playing is not a part of your daily routine? Yeah. I mean, I feel lucky in that I have just enough on my calendar to look forward to, you know, a couple of things like um, the Peyton's places got announced. This past summer, I'm going to be doing that for, for basketball. So it's like I have awesome. something like that. There's, there's, there's a couple other things. Um, so they're, they're there and they're waiting for me. But at the same time, it's not too much where I had to jump right in right away. I can kind of take my time. Um, I'll have a lot of free time to go visit people or have visit, people visit me and not have it based around, like I said earlier, basketball. Um, so that's going to be really cool. I'm looking forward to that. What about a wedding, too? Um, because <laughs> I feel like you got to, I mean, we still got one of the playing and get to just make a schedule, but, um, is that still in the works? Yeah. I mean, um, as you know, Megan, like you just said, Megan is still playing. Um, and I think we both 
who knows, like a year ago or so, we're kind of like, well, it's probably better if we're not playing, like both of us not playing. Mm. So, right. yeah, a little planning might enter there. We'll see. So the WNBA Finals going on right now. Obviously, you have a lot of familiarity with Vegas, who's been very successful in this series. If you were looking at now to uh, ways to advise Connecticut on what to do, what advice would you give them for tonight? Man, advice. Um, you know, Connecticut plays Vegas pretty close, generally speaking. I know game two got away from them a little bit, but um, I think they kind of have a, a game plan. The only thing I guess I would add to it, looking back on our series, um, which was a really, really tight series, every single game could have gone either way. Um, I don't know. At this point, Chelsea and Asia are probably not cooling off. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're probably <laughs> going to get their numbers. That's what they're proving. So do you have that mindset? A lot of times when you enter games where people have exceptional players, you think to yourself like, all right, do I try to make it as difficult as possible? Well, let's just use Chelsea. Do I try to just make it so Chelsea doesn't get hers, which means you're probably leaving a bunch of other people open. And so you're like susceptible to them going off. Or are you like, all right, Chelsea's getting hers. Asia's getting hers. So let me make sure Plum doesn't get hers. And, you know, like Jackie Raquana, stay quiet. And then just almost put your focus on these other players. Um, that to me is, is the question that you have to ask yourself when playing against Vegas. And I, like I said, when I look back on our series, the games that they won, um, two of them in particular, we let Raquana hit entirely too many threes. So it's like, why not just not help off her? So like little things like that is what I'd be asking myself. So we've been watching Vegas in this show because I'm a fan of that team, obviously. Uh, we've been watching that mm -hmm. team and that crowd. You're used to having great – you played in front of one of the best crowds that you could ever ask for in the WNBA. Uh, give me some mm -hmm. sense of your reaction to Vegas and the city and the way that they've sort of embraced the Aces. Yeah, I think um, the the city and the franchise has done a great job of cultivating that fan base. Um, the one thing I can say, and this is not a dig – I've seen it in my own experience in Seattle. Everybody loves a winner. It's the best, fastest, easiest way to create a fan base. Everybody loves it. And then once you kind of get that going, which Vegas clearly has, um, not just this year, but in the last couple of years, they've had, they've had a lot of success. You start to build. People start, you know, start to come back. Now they've been fans for three years, four years, five years. I mean, the franchise, in all reality, is not that old. Um, so for them to go from um, year one to what is it, like year four or five for them, um, to have the success they've had on the court, and then now you're starting to see the, the fans fill the arena. It's, it's, it's a, a sign of, of great things to come for that franchise for sure. Plus it's Vegas. I mean, look at all the people popping yeah. up. You know what I mean? It's like it's, yeah, an, easy, it's, it's an easy destination. It's a fun place for a team, and it'll be really cool if they win this series because they'll be the first professional team to win in Vegas, and I'd love to see how mm -hmm. Vegas does a parade and a championship and have them get that shine of being the first one to do it. Lord knows we have no clue when the Raiders will do it, right, Fitz? Uh, oh, I'm wondering, wow. Sue... If you if you have any idea what these expansion teams are going to be, we heard there's two. They will be announced sooner than we expected. Do you have the inside scoop? You want to break some news? Oh. I have no idea. When I say off the grid, I mean, your girl <laughs> is out of it right now. Um, I have no idea. Um, I feel like I've heard probably the same rumors you have, which is yeah. like, what, the Bay Area, Toronto, who knows? I guess we'll find out soon. Yeah. Philadelphia, yeah. there it is. Okay, let me follow with another question then that, that um, I haven't heard you answer. I've, I've heard a lot of the okay. coaching might be tough because you got to be 
you know, it's getting you right back into the same schedule, you know, committing to certain mm-hmm. things maybe isn't something you're ready for. Is there something you haven't said out loud that feels maybe too big? Because, I mean, your future looks wide open to me based on what you've already been able to do while playing. Is there something that you think, oh, I don't want to put that out there. That feels like too big of a reach or too big of a dream or outside my comfort zone. Hmm. Good question. Um, I don't, nothing's coming to mind. Um, nothing's coming to mind. I definitely feel what I'm, what I'm starting to feel now is just, I don't want to necessarily do what's already been done. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to have just one career path, one lane that I'm in. I want to be able to have, you know, kind of like my, my hands in a lot of different cookie jars that I can already sense. Um, I think part of that is just like not one thing interests me. And also I think another part of that is my whole life has been about one thing. Right. Yeah. And that's been amazing. I would never change that, but it might be nice to kind of branch out in other ways. So I, I don't think, I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm not going to be like, I am just a coach. I am just a, you know, fill in the blank. I think it's going to be a bunch of different things and hopefully they can all kind of like collaborate and, and play along with one another. I tried to get the sneaky breaking news on Sue Bird, future <laughs> Oscar director or uh, star of action films or... Uh... Like SNL? We can put SNL in the universe. Okay, good. Perfect. It's been there in my is. universe for my entire life. Hasn't worked out yet, but I think things work out better for you. Uh, Sue, thanks so much for coming on. We look forward to seeing oh, yeah, what you sure. do next. And please come hang out with us and, and ESPN and wherever we can see you as much as you can. You're the best. Okay, thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Oh, I still haven't quite fully accepted that she's done. Maybe she'll pull a Tom Brady. (laughs) Okay. It's Spain and Fitz. Coming up, we'll give you an update on Thursday Night Football before Fitz tells us about his mood and the mood of the arena before Game 3 of the WNBA Finals. It's next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Well, this game has already given us a lot of excitement, and it is very early. I hope y'all found it. Uh, Our own Kevin Winter found a... (laughs) mocked up note from the NFL how to watch the game uh, on Amazon Prime and part of it included donating a kidney. I don't think that's necessary, but there are probably some old folk who would be willing to because they haven't been able to figure it out and they're watching silently on their phone or they're having a family member text them updates wondering how they could figure it out. Uh, It is Chiefs Chargers Thursday Night Football happening as we speak. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. You hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, at Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz, uh, with some of the thoughts on uh, similar technological advances that had you feeling like the old folk who can't watch this game right now. I think the predominant answer of of late has been NFTs and and Bitcoin, uh, and other crypto. Uh, but we got some funny ones too. We got uh, smart toilets. Uh, I'm not sure why that made you feel old so much. It's just uh, you don't know if it's necessary. But we got smart toilets that are heated and wipe your butt for you and whatever. Uh, got a vote. A lot of TikTok. Um, and uh, somebody said their VCR still flashes 12. Uh, that is a, is a you problem. That is not even the times changing. It's been way too long for that still to be an issue. Yeah, I look, toilets have gotten advanced. I still don't know how I feel about like installing a bidet. It seems like that's just a wildly like weird thing to, to that's when I go next level bougie, like when I've decided that's where I'm going to go. So, but now you can just do that in your house. So, maybe maybe the mm-hmm. toilet thing is part of how wh- where we feel old. 
I'll tell you what made me feel old. Uh, somebody's answer was something I've never heard of. Um, I guess it's probably because I don't have kids. But someone named Trevor said, smart boards in schools. Working oh. in education can be daunting enough without having to rely on technology to quiet down a room full of first graders with a clip from PBS Kids that may or may not go out depending on the school Wi-Fi. That makes me think that there's some sort of like TV-like contraption that's not an actual TV. It's called a smart board. And that's where you direct kids for multimedia learning. Hmm. I didn't even know that was a thing. Sounds kind of cool, though. Whiteboard that functions as both a whiteboard and sort of like a screen. Hmm. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm down for that. I like that innovation. For it's this, quite yeah. expensive, though. You, yeah. you must be in a bougie school, that guy, because that's very expensive. Uh, it's Spain and Fitz. Chargers are leading 10 nothing right now. Uh, in this Thursday night football game, rare to see the Chiefs punting fits. Yeah, well, and, and let me give you, by the way, a quick stat. I looked this up during the break because this Amazon conversation before we get to the game itself is interesting. You, you know how much I work in digital, how much I believe in the future. Did you know that right now approximately 19 million Americans, that 6% of the American population, has literally zero access to fixed broadband service at threshold speeds in rural areas one-fourth of the population, approximately 14.5 million people, have no access to high-speed Internet at all. In tribal areas, a third of the American population has no access Mm. to it. So for everybody that says it's 2022, I just need to remind people that access isn't even available to large groups of people that live in certain areas because of the rurality we're going to call that a word how rural it is Hmm. uh, where where they are so we just need to remember that this is actually really weird for people that are also trying to figure out just how to watch football when you can't even turn on your tv and watch the game uh yeah i mean we have big areas of our country right now that don't have running water that they can drink and use. So um, I think any attitude about this when you're not having fun with it is gross. Um, But that's a conversation for another time. Those are some pretty staggering statistics. Right. To the game itself, the Chiefs only put up 30 yards in total offense in the first quarter. Uh, uh, This speaks to what you and I talked about early in the show. Would this actually be a slower offensive pace than some people expected and we do have 10 nothing right now but uh it's we're early in the second and both teams look like they're tired i mean this is what happens when you have a week one game that takes more out of you than expected because you didn't necessarily have preseason to condition the way you want to now you have short rest and you got to turn around and play on a thursday night and you got two football teams good football teams making each other work real hard i mentioned it earlier a lot of people were saying take the under which feels gross in a chargers chiefs game but it might work out. Uh, let's get to the other big game of the night. We'll keep you updated on that. Like we said, Chargers up 10 nothing right now. Justin Herbert threw a touchdown to, to make it that number. Um, we've got a 9 p.m. Eastern ESPN start. Aces, Sun, WNBA Finals. Game three, the Aces lead the series 2-0. A team has never come back from down 2-0 in a best-of-five series in the WNBA playoffs. The Sun are at home. And certainly a good place for women's hoops. I mean, between UConn and the Sun, they should have a pretty raucous crowd. And the question is, how much can they help them against an Aces team that's looked like world beaters? Yeah, I think this crowd is going to be one of the most interesting parts for me, realistically, because there's so much opportunity here 
for the for the Aces to come across country, short short rest, short bench. We all know that Connecticut comes home. Dewana Bonner has not been good. Maybe this gets her comfortable. Uh, Chelsea Gray has hit so many contested shots as we talked about earlier. Sixty seven percent of her shots she's hit, but that's been in a home arena. So I just wonder if there's any nuance to the shooting percentages that will make a difference in this cause simply by the fact that the game is not being played in Vegas tonight. Yeah, it's possible. I don't think anything could stop Chelsea Gray at this point. She could be on the moon, and I would have her based on the way she's played. She's averaged over 23 points, seven assists, almost four rebounds. She's shooting over 60% from the field through eight playoff games. She has looked tremendous. 18 of 27 on contested shots in the finals. That's over 66%. All other players combined shooting 36% on contested shots. She's just been unbelievable. Uh, fourth all-time of any player in a single WNBA postseason in terms of field goal percentage. She's just been spectacular. And I, I I have doubt in the sun as much as they've been able to muck it up and mess it up against teams with a lot of talent, the way Wilson and Gray have been playing and throw Plum in there. My money is on your aces. And I actually want to know, it's tougher because you're not at Vegas, you're not at home, and my guess is they'll stick around for a bit and then hop on their plane to celebrate back home. But what's your plan? If your team wins tonight are you hitching a ride with Ari Chambers or are you looking for Tarika who are you trying to find to see if they got the plug on a party yeah uh, there's a party I'm trying to go to it there's no doubt like I'm I'm willing to have an all-nighter look I'm at Mohegan can easily just get a room here and let things get weird if the if the Aces win the championship number one I'm just going to stay in the arena as long as possible to soak in what it feels like to watch my city and my team win a championship. It's not something I'm used to. And then after that, yeah, I'm going to try and like be the plus one to somebody's party somewhere. There's got to be somebody that knows somebody, Sarah. It also feels right to be at a casino after a team named the Aces from Vegas wins it all. Like you might need to let it ride on a couple things and just see how lucky you are. Yeah, I mean, why not? Like, it feels like if there's ever been a night for me to, you know, play a little craps, maybe it's tonight. Man, I'm just going to throw all caution to the wind. It's going to get wild. Save the craps for after you've been released from that office space, okay? We know you don't have <laughs> access to a bathroom right now. Ace's Sun, 9 Eastern on ESPN. I'm, I'm praying for you, Fitz. I'm hoping for you. Freddie Fitzsimmons is next. Whole Aces team's going to be on with him. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.